0: If you have your Bibles, I, I would invite you to turn with me to, to uh, John chapter four. My name is Luke Hedinger. I get to be one of the pastors on staff here at Compass, and we've been we've been marching through the Book of John, the Gospel of John, as as this as the spiritual biography of Jesus. And, and we've, been, we've been looking at the person of Jesus, and this week we're looking at the last part of John chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 43, uh, 43 through 54. So um, if you have your Bibles, and I'm, it'll be up on the screen too if you don't have a Bible. But um, this morning, I, I, as you're turning there, I want to ask you a question. I want to start off with this question, and it'll become clear as we move along why I'm asking this question. As I was reading this passage over the past few weeks and just thinking about it and studying it, I, I kept thinking about this question. I kept kind of mulling around in my mind of like, okay, how do I, how do I say this well? And here's the question. What if, what if we are experiencing Jesus in ways that are not the way he wants us to experience him? Or, or maybe I can say it a different way. What if our experience of Jesus, it's just not, it's not the experience that he, we're being invited into? What, what if? And have you ever been in a situation where, where people are talking about, like, maybe a movie or a location or a restaurant, and they're just like, oh, this is so awesome. I love it. This and then you go and you do that thing or you experience that thing, and you're like, really? That's okay. I just don't get it. When, when we moved here uh, originally, when we moved to Columbia, Missouri, we heard about this magical place where dreams come true and kids get raw dough. And it's just this amazing place called Shakespeare's Pizza. You know, and and everybody's like, oh, Shakespeare's Pizza. Oh, Columbia is known for Shakespeare's Pizza. It's a, you know, Mizzou and Shakespeare's, it goes, you know, and I even had a, I have a cousin who went to school here, and she's like, oh, you gotta go to Shakespeare's Pizza. It's awesome. So we go to Shakespeare's Pizza, and we're getting pizza, and it's like, okay, you like, I mean, it's like, it's fine, right? But I see some people nodding in agreement, so I'm not the only one, right? Yeah, it's like it's okay. I, I I like it. I'll eat it. But when I was eating it, it's like, is it is there a different Shakespeare's? Like, is this is this the one? I mean, it's like, I mean, I, I'd be fine with Papa John's. Like, it's like, it's, you know, take it or leave it. Yeah, you know, I, I that got a strong reaction in first service too. So I'm, we're stepping on toes this morning. Um, but you know, it's it's. It, it can be disorienting when we have that experience when it comes to restaurants or movies or, or places. When, when we, we hear all this hype about it and then we go and we engage with it and it's just like something's off. Something's missing and it can be disorienting, frustrating when it, we're talking about all those things. But what if we're talking about the God of the universe? The God who, who we believe created us and gives us purpose and invites us into deep relationships with him. What happens when that's our experience with God? And, and you know, we can, we can be in those spaces where we're like, man, I, I hear what the pastor says on Sunday. I get what my small group leader says or connection group leader. I, I get what all these people are. You know, I hear them talking about it. But my experience, what they're talking about on Sunday morning, doesn't match up to my experience on Monday. So, so what is that? Where, where are we at? And you see, I, I believe the experience that we're invited into is an experience of, of trust and belief. Not just, not just intellectual assent. Not just saying, oh, I believe that Jesus was a historical being. But it's this, it's this belief that says, no, I, I put myself under your care. You are my Lord. You, you direct the course of my life. I mean, if you, if you remember the very first sign that John writes about, is the, the wedding in Cana. Where, where Jesus, he turns water into, and we're going to talk about that uh, more in just a, a few minutes, but it's where Jesus turns water into wine. And the reason John writes the way he writes, the reason he puts that in there, is because it sets the, it sets the trajectory that this belief that we're invited into, this action that we're, that we're invited into, this experience that we're invited into, it's like a bridegroom with his bride. Saying, will you trust me? Will you align yourself with me? Will you come into relationship with me? Will you let your, your existence be altered by my presence? Will you, will you come and will you join yourself to me? That's what Jesus is saying all throughout the book of John. And that's the experience we're being invited into. And yet the reality is we live in an environment. We live in a cultural moment. We live in a space where we've been hurt before. Right? We've been hurt before. We, you know, our, our cultural moment, I'm sure you've heard this before. I've heard it thousands of times. Like we, everybody is, our culture is highly spiritual and highly skeptical. Right? Highly spiritual. There's, there's so many, you know, we, we purpose and higher powers and all these different things. We, we want to know what's behind all these different things. But also we're highly skeptical, especially of church, of authority, uh, I have heard it said before that we google things long before we'll ask like a pastor about it now you know we'll go to webmd and we'll we'll look at okay what's this rash and, and again I'm not I'm not inviting you to bring all your rashes to me that's not that's not the invitation all right I can't do anything with that but but it does it does speak to the fact that we are so uh we are so predisposed to saying, "Well, I'll just there, there are other ways to figure this out rather than what you're offering me," and I think it's because, again, we've been hurt. Trust is low, and if you're telling me Jesus is, is inviting you into a trusting experience, I don't—I've heard that before. I've heard that before, and I've been hurt before. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through this passage. And I believe what we see is we see a person who has an incredible experience with Jesus. And John kind of puts him in, in contrast to these people who miss it. And what I want to do is I want to look at three metrics um, that, that help us or, or markers that help us to, to know, okay, how do, if that's what's being offered, how do I get there? And my prayer for you this morning is for us to be open and say, okay, where, if those are the markers, how do i how do I get into that space because markers are really helpful um, when my wife and i we were we were just dating um we would we would travel all over the place and and especially my her family was in lives in Raytown used to live in Raytown So we would drive from Iowa to Raytown and visit her grandparents and 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 sure enough every time we got lost Like every time this is before we had GPS on our phones This is before we had phones in the car You know like this is and we and we were too cheap to have the GPS that sits on your dash And so we would get lost every time and you know uh, and and not only coming from Des Moines to Kansas City We get lost anywhere Like we'd be we'd be in the middle of uh, Arkansas, you know, and and we'd be lost. And so we'd call we'd call my wife's grandpa and say he's like, "Where are you at?" Because he's a truck driver. He's like, "Where are you at?" I said, "Well, we're in you know uh, Oklahoma." Okay, what mile marker are you at? (laughs) What? (laughs) What mile marker? We're at mile marker 83. All right. Well, here's what you're going to do. You're going to, you know, and he would, just because of the mile marker, he'd be able to say, okay, I see where you're at and let me walk you to where I think you need to be. See, and that's the beauty about markers is we can say, all right, this is where I'm at. Let's take a, let's take a real look at this. This is where I'm at. And if you're telling me this is where I get to be, okay, let's maybe, maybe I'll believe you. Maybe we can step into this. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through the passage together and we're just going to take our time. I'm not going to have you stand. We're just going to take our time walking through it. Uh, and then we're going to go back around and we're going to point out these markers and, and try and kind of assess. Where are we and where do we want to go? Before we do that though, would you just pray with me? And we just need to ask God's help as we, as we get into his word. Um, God, we, we praise you, and we, you. We praise you for your goodness to us. God, I praise you for the fact that I get to be on this stage, that I get to be uh, in this community of people who, who are desiring to see you, who are desiring to experience you, who are desiring to, to, to be people who are flourishing in this world that you invite us into. So God, would you, would you speak to us this morning? Would you help us to hear your voice? Help us to, to see where we're at and where you're inviting us to come into the, the experience that you're inviting us to have with you. We love you, God. We praise you. And it's in your name. Amen. Amen. So let's, let's read this together. We're going to be looking at John chapter 4, starting verse 43. And again, like I said, this is going to be disruptive. We're going to walk through it slow. Hopefully you'll see why. Verse 43, after the two days he left for Galilee... Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. Okay, let's just stop there, all right? All right, first we see John saying after two days he left for Galilee. Where, he, where is he leaving from? He's leaving from Samaria. We just, we spent two weeks talking about the woman at the well. That's where he's from. He spent two days, the woman in the well, the, at the well, not in the well, the woman at the well. Uh, the whole town comes to Jesus, right? And, and it says, if, if you read just a few verses before this, uh, in, in, verse, uh, in verse 41, it says, And many more believe because of his word. It's, this whole town is coming to Jesus and they're, they're believing and it's not just mental ascent, not just intellectual ascent, but they're putting their faith and their trust in Jesus and people are getting transformed and changed. And it's crazy because Jesus is like, all right, let's go. Why? It says now Jesus in, in the ESV, different translations that now also uh, can be read as for. He's saying, all right, we, we need to go for because Jesus Himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. And that, that own country, you can read this in different ways. Most commentaries I've read this past week would, would say that what he's talking about is the, the area of Galilee. Jesus is a Nazarene. He's, he's from Nazareth. And, and he, they're going into this area of Galilee where Nazareth is. And he's saying, let's, let's leave this. This is great. We love this. People are, people are having a great time in Samaria. But we're going to keep going. And if you remember, one of the reasons he does that in in John chapter 2, we see that John records the account of Jesus cleansing the temple. And it's interesting because this doesn't happen where John records it. In fact, the cleansing of the temple happens at the end of Jesus' ministry, but John records it at the beginning because he's trying to, to help us see the trajectory of Jesus' ministry. Right? He wants us to read the whole book of John understanding that Jesus is on his way to the cross. Him cleansing the temple, that made a lot of people really angry. And it puts him on a collision course that ends with his death, crucifixion, and resurrection. And so what we see here is that that's the continuation of this, of this trajectory. He's going, he's going to this place. And so I think that what John is inviting us to, to kind of question is, okay, we see the Samaritans. They accepted Jesus. Now we're going to see some people who have a different experience. And he says in verse 44, let's read again. not Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Verse 45, when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him wait a second, right? Did Jesus get something wrong? Did we catch him? Finally, after 2,000 years, oh, we knew Jesus couldn't be all he was cracked up to be. That was a joke, right? We need to wake up a little bit. Maybe, hopefully, the coffee was still flowing when you got in here, right? No, I don't think that's the case. I think what John has invited us into is that something else is happening here, Jesus is saying, look, the prophet isn't, doesn't have honor in his own hometown. They get to his hometown, his homeland. He's being welcomed. It seems like he's getting honor. And yet, I believe John is inviting us into this space to say, okay, let's put our thinking caps on. Something else might be happening here right? Something else is going on. There's a belief that is, that's not uh, aligned with what the Samaritans experience. In fact, uh, it says in, in uh, John, let's see, right before this, in the end of John chapter 2, verse 23, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. Many of those people that believed when they saw the signs are these Galileans. It says that right here. They were at the Passover festival they saw there was this sense of belief where it's like oh yeah we know what Jesus is about we know what he's going to do and now he's here and I believe what John is inviting us to to be curious about is this acceptance that is only this acceptance that goes so far the Galileans are like oh man the show's in town right the fair's in town. Woo! We're going to get our, our uh, you know, like deep fried Coke and Twinkies. And like we're going we're gonna to see the livestock. We're going to, you know, they, they were ready to be entertained. They, they, they understood Jesus at a certain point, at a certain level. And yet Jesus, as he comes into this space, he's, he's saying, that's not what I'm here for. There's, there's a belief, there's an acceptance that goes beyond what you just see. See, I believe what John is, is inviting us to see is that they were ready to see signs, but Jesus wanted them to see him as Savior. Signs versus Savior, seeing versus believing. And it says, uh, it says, they, they were there. They saw him. They believed, but it was a certain belief. In verse 46, once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. All right, let's just stop there. John, again, is referring back to the, the, the wedding. He's saying, we're back here. And he's, he's drawing connection to these different things. The, the wedding, the water into wine, it was said, this is the first sign. And again, it sets up the kind of relationship, the kind of belief that we're invited into, the experience that Jesus wants us to have with him, which it goes beyond just assent. It goes beyond just knowledge to a deep relationship with Jesus. That that is, it's just like the marriage relationship between a man and a woman. It's this, it's this deep knowing. That's the kind of relationship we're being invited into. It's not just seeing signs. Right? And he's referring back to that. And in that context, it says, And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. Now, Capernaum was a, uh, a town that I, I think it was about 20, um, I wrote it down somewhere, 26 miles from uh, this, this place that we're talking about. All right, 26 miles from Cana. So this, this official, which that, that term official most likely refers to this guy, he, he has this royal title. And so most likely this guy was part of, uh, of Herod Antipas' uh, court or however, however that would have looked back then. And so it's interesting to me when we read this that this is a man who, who was in the presence of authority. His job was to be with authority. He was in the presence of authority. And yet in the presence of authority he understood that his needs could never be met if he stayed there. And so he leaves one place of authority and goes to another place of authority because he's driven by his needs. I mean, it says that, that his, his son lay dying, lay sick at Capernaum. Verse 47, when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. See this, this, this official, he leaves this place of authority, this structure that he understood because he's saying, I recognize that this is never going to give me what I need. And what I need is a Savior. I don't need more signs. I need a Savior. I need, I need some intervention. I need Jesus to work. If you've ever had a sick kid, you know what this guy's feeling. You know he, he leaves. And what does Jesus say in the face of this man's need? Verse 48. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. It's I and I don't know I don't know if this is the way Jesus actually would have said it. But in my mind what this sounds like is you people. You people, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. Oh my. It's, it's so interesting because it seems so out of character for Jesus, doesn't it? I mean, here's this guy that that comes 28 miles, 26, whatever I said, 26 miles, right? Most likely walking seven hours to, to get to Jesus. He, he lays aside his power, his authority, the structures that he understood. And he goes into a place where he doesn't understand, but there's hope there. And I, I was even thinking about it at first service, like I was thinking about like... Man, if we were to put ourselves in this guy's shoes, like, we don't know where his wife is. But, it, but if we could use a little creativity, which I think there's, there's space for, if we could use a little mental creativity, could it be that his wife is still back home with their son, just waiting to hear? Waiting to hear what would happen. Waiting. Her, her son is about to die, and he's going, and he's saying, Jesus, will you come? And Jesus and poof, you guys. But, but what I think we need to see is first, this you, he's not directly talking to this man. It's a y'all, right? We, we're Missourians. We know what y'all means, right? Some of us, some of our, tra- our transplants, and that's all right. We'll get there, right? I'm a y'all person. I, I think y'all, is just it just makes sense, right? It takes less time, includes more, more things, right? So, and what he's doing, he's saying, y'all, y'all aren't going to believe unless you see. Again, he's pitting them against the Samaritans where the Samaritans believed at his word. And he's saying, you guys, y'all, y'all aren't going to believe unless you see. And, and it's so interesting because, again, you might be thinking, that doesn't make, that still doesn't make sense. Like, if, if this man came to me and I had power and authority to help him, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be stopping to say, y'all don't know what you're doing. But I think what we need to stop and, and look at is that Jesus is trying to get something across that goes deeper than the, the present reality. It's the same thing if you look at Matthew chapter 15, which I don't have it up on the screen. But it's where Jesus interacts with a Canaanite woman. And if you remember the story, the Canaanite woman comes to Jesus. and she says, Jesus, come heal my daughter. And the, and the disciples are like, Jesus, send this Canaanite woman away. She's a Gentile. She's not Jewish. She doesn't get to have what we have. And Jesus looks at him and he looks at her and he says, yeah, it's not, it's not right for me to take the bread of the children and give it to the dogs. What? Right? What? It reminds me of one of those old Snickers commercials where it's like, Jesus, maybe you're hungry. Like, you need a Snickers. Because this, this doesn't make sense, what you're saying right now. But, but what he's doing in that moment and in this moment is he's inviting us to see a little deeper into what's happening. See, this man, what is his request? He says it again, verse 49. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. What's his request? What was it? Come. Come down. Come with me. Come, and come down before my child dies. Come down so that you can heal him. See, this, this Roman, or not Roman, but this official, most likely a Jewish, uh, and again, there's all these different things we could say about that. Let's stay on track, right? Are you with me? All right. What, what we see here is he has a framework in which he thinks Jesus needs to function, Right? If you don't come, my son is dead. If you don't come with me, then my... See, it's almost like he understood Jesus' power and authority as just situational. And it's like, if you're, if you're not physically present, then that can't happen. If you're not physically... And, and again, thinking about, like, if his wife was back home, I, I can imagine being in this man's shoes and saying, Jesus, no, you don't understand. If it, Jesus says, uh, again in verse 50, Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. I mean, if you were this man, you're like, no, Jesus, I... You, I, don't, I don't think you understand. My son is about to die. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Go. Go. He'll be all right. No, Jesus, I, I don't think you understand. My wife is back home. She's with him right now. If she doesn't see you coming in with me, this is going to be bad, right? This is bad news bears. You have to come with me. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm not going to fit within your boxes you have this framework that you think, and what I'm doing is something deeper. I'm blowing apart who you think that I am and what you think my limitations are. I'm blowing apart all of that. Right? And he invites him into this deeper knowledge, this deeper understanding of who Jesus is, that his power and his authority goes beyond his, his, his geographical limitations. Just because we can't see what he might be doing doesn't mean that he isn't doing something, right? His power and authority goes beyond what we believe is possible. And that's what Jesus is inviting him into. And what does it say? Verse 50, go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. (gasps) His belief in that moment where he's saying, okay, Jesus, I, I want you to come with me, but okay, his belief in that moment led him to action. And I think there are so many times where we are so, we're, we just want more information. We, we, uh, okay, let's, you know, okay, well, can you explain this to me a little bit more? How, how do you, you just say, and he's healed, like, it, can you explain to me the biological processes of, of healing? I mean, can you, all these different things. But, but in that moment, this man's belief led to action. This man's belief led to action and he left. And and what does it say after that? It says in verse 51, while he was still on his way, the servants met him with the news that his boy was living. Ah, awesome. Verse 52, when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household Believed? Do you see the progression of faith that's happening in this man's life? Do you see it? The first thing that we see is, is he has to come to a place where he's saying, this, this power structure that I'm in right now is not going to give me what I need. It's not, it's not going to fulfill me. It's not going to heal my son. It's not going to bring flourishing to me. Oh, oh, there's Jesus. Okay, there's a, there's a step of faith that he has. And he comes to Jesus. He, he steps outside of this power authority. And he goes to another uh, power structure and authority. And he says, will you come? Come heal. So there's, he's, he's going deeper, right? And then what does Jesus say? Go, your son's healed. And the guy goes. I just think that's amazing. I, I, and I think part of it's so amazing because I can see my situation. and I, I don't think I would just be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I think that would be so difficult. But he goes and his faith gets a little deeper and he believes in Jesus and he puts it into action. And then as he's on his way, people come and he's like, your son's healed. And he's like, oh, awesome. When did that happen? And they're like, oh, I don't know. What was it? I don't know. what Was it one o'clock yesterday? Oh my goodness. One o'clock. Just let me just do this. That was the same time Jesus said, go, your son will be healed. And his faith, he gets, just gets deeper and deeper and it grows even more. And then it says his whole household believes. See, I, I think what we need to understand is that when we engage in this life of faith, when we have this experience with Jesus, when we are taking steps, faith is something that expands as we engage with it. It's like a muscle. When, when, we, when we take steps, it's almost like we're like, okay, I, I don't know if I can do this, but okay. Oh, wow, this is amazing. Okay, maybe the next one. Oh, oh. you know, and as we go, we just see more and more and more. And and before we move on from this, I I don't want us to to mistake what I'm saying. I'm not saying this is a blind leap. I think so many times we think of faith and it's like, well, you're just asking, like, like Indiana Jones, you know, the, what was that? The Holy Grail? Yeah, there's a new one that just came out. Whatever. But that's all we'll say about that, right? Uh, there's a new, it, Holy Grail, it's one of my favorites. And, and there was this leap of faith where, where it's like, oh, there's no bridge there. All I see is a chasm, but okay, you know, and, and he just closes his eyes and he just goes like this. And he, and, oh, there's a bridge there. Oh, that's not what we're inviting you into. That's not the same thing. What we are inviting you into the the Christian life is not to shut your eyes, turn your brain off and take a step. The Christian life is to say, do you trust that Jesus is who he said he is? Do you believe that he is the son of God? Do you believe that he is God incarnate? Because if you do, then, then taking steps like what I'm talking about it makes sense. See, oftentimes I think we just talk about, well, we have to have more faith. And the reality is not about how big your faith is, but it's what your faith is in. What, what is your faith grounded in? Because you can have incredible faith, but if it's not grounded in the right place it's not going to lead you to where you want to be to the experience that Jesus is inviting us to experience see what we're what we're talking about is this man as he continued to take steps of faith and belief he continued to see more of who Jesus was and it expanded beyond himself and went to his whole household See, as, as we continue to walk through the, I mean, the last verse, th- this was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. So we have the first sign, the, the water to wine, which represented all these different things. The second sign, I think what Jesus is, is talking about and what John is portraying, is the scope of his power and his, his authority. Just blows apart our boxes. And so the question as we go through this passage is, again, what are the markers that we can see if we're going to continue to take steps into this experience of trust and belief and faith and relationship that we're invited into? The first marker I think we see here is need versus overfamiliarity. That word is really hard. I should have picked a different word to say. But need versus overfamiliarity. See, as, as we look at this passage, there's this familiarity that the, the Galileans have with Jesus. Because they're like, oh, we know what Jesus is about. We know what he can do. We know. We've seen this. We've seen. Uh, okay, Jesus, we, we want you to do these different things. And, 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 and again, we can fall into that same place. Uh, I've been in church for 42 years. Except for COVID, right? There was, a, there was a black hole there for a little while. I've been in church for 42 years. I know how this works. I know, that, I know that if you come here and you sit in the same seat for more than two weeks in a row, that seat's yours. Right? That's just how it works. We don't, we don't ask questions. Just how it works. Right? we we know that you know you just you're just familiar, and I know how church is, and I know what this is, and you know, and and we get so familiar with situations that we forget that it's about more than that. There there are times, there are times. I mean, uh, you know, we've we've had a lot of medical things happen, and you know, we have we have a lot of stuff over the over the past I don't know seventeen years. We've we've been in hospitals a lot, and. And it's, it's crazy because there are times where we'll be in the hospital for, you know, for a week or weeks. And, and then we'll, we'll get out or somebody will see, you know, you post something online or whatever. And people would be like, you're, you're in the hospital? It's like, yeah why didn't you say anything? Did you tell anybody? Can the church be praying for you? What can we be praying about? What can we do? Like, you you know, and it's it's almost like you just get so familiar with with your situation, or you get so familiar with what you think Jesus is going to do, or the church, and, you know, and it's like, oh, I wouldn't even thought to be, you know, to, to just be vulnerable with my needs. I wouldn't have even thought to, to have people praying for me. I wouldn't have even thought to, to step out. And see, I think lots of times what we're invited into as a, as a body is, is we, can, we can fall into this space where we just, you know, you pick your ruts because you're going to be in there for the next 40 years. Or we can say, okay, wait a second, I'm in need right now. What does it look like for me to, to be, be vulnerable with my needs? What does it look like for me to say, yes, I'm hurting. Yes, I, I, we, we have connection groups. That's where that's primarily what we want to do. We want to create spaces where we can be vulnerable with our needs. I heard a pastor say one time that it's, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to pretend like you're okay. Right? It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to pretend like you're okay. See, we're we're invited when we talk about these uh, these places and these these measures and, and mile markers. One of them is all right. Are we so familiar with our spirituality that we miss it? In the same way the Galileans did. the the second The second marker that we that we see is action versus information. Right? Action versus information. There's, there's this reality where, where, I mean, when this guy, when Jesus says, go. Go. Your, your son is healed. He goes. And, and he steps out into action. And when he steps out, it just, it just goes deeper and deeper. And, and I think that for many of us, we would look at that and say, whoa, I, wait a second. Wait, wait a second. That doesn't make sense. Everything I know, that, that just doesn't make sense. Can you explain to me more about how this works? Can you explain to me when you say he's healed, is that like in, like boom, like in, instant, or is this a progressive healing, or is this, you know, like I, I don't understand, and, and we step back and oftentimes we want more information before we take a step because it's like, well, if I'm going to take a step, are you going to be there? If I, if I take a step, you, you know, you, you're telling me to make this phone call or, or I'm, I'm being invited to, to say something to this person or, or there's so many times where, where I feel this feeling of like, hey, maybe give them something. Maybe care for them. It's like, oh, I don't know about that. I, I would need to know more about their situation before I follow this little voice in my head because they, they might be trying to take advantage of me. Right? We, we fall into this, this area where we're bound by our need for more information, and we never get to the part where we put it into action. Right? And, and you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, but Luke, there are people on every street corner. If you're saying, uh, you know, if, we're, if we follow what the Bible says to give to those who ask, we'd be given all the time. Maybe. I'm not, I'm not saying that I have this figured out. Please don't hear me. I, I'm not, like I was, I was thinking the other day when I was driving around, I was seeing this guy on the street corner and I, I'm hearing my message in my head and I'm thinking, what does it mean for me to be Jesus to this person? You know, and I have all the things in my head too. If I give them money, they'll use it for drugs and so on. you know, and, and we, I think that we can use a lot of different uh, reasons. We can justify why we don't live in obedience. We can justify why we're not action oriented instead of saying, okay, what is it? Let's be curious about what the Bible calls us to. Let's be curious because maybe it's not the best thing to give money to everybody. who. Maybe that's not the best thing. Maybe that would be detrimental. But the Bible still invites us to give to those who ask. So let's be curious about what that looks like as a church. And that's what we want to do. As Corey talked about blessed, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be curious about it. But see, the reality is oftentimes we stop with having more information. And yet the Bible so often, God invites us deeper into relationship with him before he gives us the information we need to go there. Right? I mean God with Abraham. When Abraham in Genesis 12, God says, Abraham, leave your father's house. Go to a land I'm going to show you. So wait a second. Can you show me the land and then I'll go? Like it seems like these steps are backwards, right? I mean when, when the Israelites leave Egypt, they get to the Red Sea and it isn't until the Egyptian army is at their back that God reveals his plan for a way forward. Right? It isn't until when when the Israelites are marching through uh, the wilderness and they're getting ready to go to the promised land do you realize that the priests as they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant they get their feet wet in the Jordan River before God parts it. And it says, it's so crazy because it says the Jordan River was at flood stage. We Missourians know what that means, right? Been around 93, remember? Flood stages? No? Okay I'm just really old. right? Oh, you're older than me. You guys know, right? You're just tired. Anyway, the, the Israelites, they get their feet wet. I mean, can you imagine if you're that front priest and you're carrying the Ark of the Covenant? And it's like, okay, you guys ready? Okay. And they step out and it's like, oh, God did what he said he would do. Isn't that amazing? What would it look like for us, Compass Church, what would it look like for us to be action-oriented? Not put our brains on a shelf, fully engage our intellect, and yet say, okay, what does it look like for me to stop, hear the voice of the Lord, and ask, God, what do you want me to do about this? The, the, last, the last marker that we're going to look at this morning, we're going to land the plane here, is depth versus distance. Depth versus distance. See, this, this guy, this official, he could have stayed where he was. He could have stayed in the court of Herod. He could have stayed there. And yet he knew that if he stayed there, he wasn't going to receive what he needed and when he when he came near to Jesus again what we what we like we said earlier and when he came near to Jesus each step just took him deeper and deeper and deeper into this this reality this new world this new reality this new flourishing that Jesus offered until at the end as we read his whole household believed it wasn't just him anymore but because of the steps that he took all those around him benefited it's like the kingdom is infectious and when we take steps of faith, belief, stepping out, those around us will see. When we go into the workforce, when we go to, to McDonald's, when we go to wherever, preschool, wherever, wherever it is that we are, when we go to, go back to, to school, I believe that what we see here is that faith continues to grow as we use it. And it doesn't just stay with us. It leaks and it gets spread around. And we can be super spreaders. Is it too early to use that phrase? In a positive way? That's what we're invited into. And yet, again, there are so many times where we say, I've been there before. I I, I believe the picture that we have when we talk about this idea of depth versus distance, it's like a it's like a dad in the deep end with his arms outstretched to his kids saying, Hey, would you jump? I got you. I got you. The The band can come up. I want to share one story as they come. Uh, my kids and I, my family, we, we used to go to this this church camp every year. And uh, we, we started going to the, the uh, Hidden Acres Church Camp up in Iowa. And uh, it's an E-free camp. And it's really cool. And I remember, I, I think my son was probably... Uh, Jets' age, which was is like like seven. I mean, I'm really bad with numbers and ages, but I think it was about seven when we got there. And I remember when we we were walking around, we were seeing different things, and we went out to the lake area, and and we look at the lake area, and there's this huge blob. You know what I'm talking about with the blob? It's this like big inflatable thing that goes out into the water, and you jump on it, and you know, the other person that's on it gets shot off. And we were big fans of Wipeout at the time. You remember that show where it's like people were doing all these crazy obstacle courses, and it's so funny to watch them get hit and thrown into the mud. And my son, as we walk, he's like, Dad, they got a blob! I was like, oh, awesome, buddy. That's so fun. Let's do it. And he's like, yeah. And so he puts on his little life jacket. And we climb up. And this, this, like, this platform is big. Like it was super tall. And I was like, I don't know if he's going to do this. He gets out there, you know, and he, just his little self and his little life jacket. And he just jumps out like a little frog. Jumps out on the blob and kind of scoots out to the end. And he's sitting on the end. And he says, Dad, don't jump too high. So, Don't worry, buddy. I'm just going to step off. Don't worry. So I'm standing there. and I got my life jacket on, you know. And it was one of those moments, if you're a parent, you know those moments where it goes from, like, joy to terror and like that. I'm smiling, he's smiling, I step off, and I just step off, I don't jump, I just step off, and I land, and I'm smiling, it's just the sun's shining, it's a beautiful day, and my smile goes like this, because he just gets sh- launched into orbit, I mean, it was, I was like, I just killed my son, how am I going <laughs> to explain this to my wife, he launches into orbit, and he's like a pop bottle rocket just like and he does like a front flip and he lands just on his face just like smacks on the water and you know and I'm just trying to like climb off of this stupid inflatable thing and get to my son as fast as I can because he's just screaming just I can't believe you did this to me why did you you know and, and I was just like I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm a terrible father from that point on We'd we come back and I said, Buddy, you want to do the blob again? No! No! What do you want to do? I want to do the paddle boats. Oh, the paddle boats, are you kidding me? The paddle this was not a nice lake. Like this is not like a lake in Minnesota. It's not like this is this is like a, a swampy lake that's like stinky and you know it's got like lots of frogs and turtles in it. And we just you know like for years after that, we'd just be in the paddle boats, just baking in the summer sun. Just like this is not fun. I hate my life right now, you know. I'm over dramatic. I get it. But but I'd be like, bud you wanna go do the blob? No. Let's do the paddle boats. And for years we do that, and you see the, you know, the, the idea, I, I broke his trust. He's, he was living in a reality where it's like, trust was broken. And, and the paddle boats, it might not have been as fun as the blob, but at least it was safe. Right? Yeah, it was smelly, and yeah, that seaweed stuff just clings to everything, and it's terrible, and you get so tired, and you go out to the end of it, and you've still got to paddle back. But it's safe. See, and I think there are, there are many of us who might find ourselves in that situation. Trust has been broken. We've been hurt. You know, it's like, well, you're asking me to step out. I've done that before, and it hurts. You see, the reality is, um, one year, a long time after this, we get back to this camp, and I said, buddy, you want to do the blob? Yeah, let's do it. I was oh, yes. No more paddle boats. We get to expand our experience from these stupid little paddle boats that I hate to, like, getting to experience just the broadness of what this actually can offer us. And it was great. We, he, he was a little bit bigger, you know, all the, all the things. We had an awesome time. And he kept doing it more and more and more. But see, again, the invitation, I believe, for each and every one of us this morning is of our Father saying, hey, Here's, here's the experience I want you to have with me. I want you to experience the broadness of what it means to flourish. I want you to come into relationship with me. You know, these, these things that you're aligning yourself with, what you need is a savior. Yeah, you want signs and you want to be entertained and you want all these different things, but I know that you need a savior and I want to be that for you. And so I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what, what a yes might be like for you. Maybe, again, maybe you're in that place where you're so familiar with the things of Jesus, you can't even, you can't even think about being vulnerable with your needs. You, you've just gotten so comfortable that, like the Galileans, you're going to miss it. Or, or maybe for you, it's like, I just need more information. I need to fill up with all this information. And when I get enough information, then I'll step out into action. Or again, for you, maybe, maybe you're like, I, I'm okay with distance because I tried depth before and that hurt. Compass Church, the invitation is for us to take a step to experience Jesus in a trusting, loving relationship and experience the arms of a father who maybe we don't understand it, but he's good and he's present. And he has power and authority that will blow your boxes away. And when we do that, when we step out, church, I believe that Columbia is going to be impacted by that. I believe kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven because we take steps of faith and belief in him. Would you you pray with me? God, this morning, I don't know where we're at this morning. I don't know where uh, each person is at as they come into this space. I know there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of people who, who, who maybe they're, they're sitting with their arms crossed, really having a hard time believing anything that I'm saying, having a hard time uh, just tracking. But God, I pray that, that you would help us to, to hear you, God. Help us to experience you. God, would you help us to experience the, the, your character? God, help us to know that as we take a step out, we're not taking a step out into nothingness. We're taking a step out into, into your security, into, into a trusting relationship with you. God, would you, would you help us, God? Maybe, maybe there are those in here who, if they said yes to you, it'd be for the first time. There's a lot of fear in that. Maybe for some in here, you're inviting them to, to you to take action. God, help us. Help us to be a church that says yes. We need you, God. It's in your name. Amen. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.